Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Turn in your Bible with me, please, to the book of Ephesians, where we resume and at the same time end our series on the Holy Spirit today. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we are in our scripture study this morning, verses 15 through 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, not to worry, we have some Bibles underneath the chairs near where you're sitting, and so please pull out a Bible and turn to page 1159, 1159 of that pew Bible. And while you're turning to that, are Greg or Sarah Clemens with us this morning? Greg is here. Greg and Sarah and their little boys are going to be leaving us uh, when? When's moving day? Next week. Greg and Sarah have been with us for quite a while. Many of you have gotten to know and love them. They've served us well. They go to Atlanta to continue to serve Christ in ministry up there. And so, Greg, our hearts and prayers will be with you and your family as you leave us. And you're going to be growing as a family in not too um, much time. So we wish you well and Godspeed as you serve Christ up there. Ephesians 5:15 through 21. Listen as I read that portion of God's word. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord. As I said before, we are now at the end of our series that we started back in the first part of January on the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at various teachings in the Word of God about who the Spirit of God is. Uh, We've learned that He is the third person of the Trinity, a divine person. We've learned some of His activities in our lives. And last week and today, what I wanted us to do is end the series looking at our response. Now that we know who the Spirit is and what He does in our lives, how are we to respond to His activity? Last week, we looked at a different portion of the book of Ephesians and talked about not grieving the Holy Spirit. And today we come to this portion of God's Word in which Paul the Apostle, writing in Ephesians 5, says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is a topic about which there's a lot of confusion in churches. I don't know where you've come from in your Christian upbringing, but on the one hand you have the idea of some people in the body of Christ who say that The filling of the Spirit is a special experience that you ought to have after you become a Christian. It could happen a few hours after you've become converted or days or months or even years is when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, according to this school of thought. 
when I became a Christian back in the mid-70s, it was a pretty crazy time. It was a great time, a time of spiritual awakening, especially on many college campuses back in that day. Many of you know that very well. And uh, my wife and I both became Christians up in South Carolina our junior year of college. And we immediately were attracted to a group of Christians on our campus who told us that we needed to seek the second blessing. And they didn't want us to be just average Christians. They didn't want us to stay in the state in which we were. They wanted us to become, they said, spirit-filled Christians. And the way that we would know that we had become spirit-filled, according to them, is that we would begin to speak in tongues. Well, that's one side of the argument, and that side has created a lot of confusion and I think have put undue and unbiblical pressure on Christians to have a gift that God does not give everyone. But then you have on the other hand of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, and this is the group in which many of us who call ourselves Reformed believers, many of us who are Presbyterian believers, this is the group into which some of us fall, who never talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit because they fear that it's going to open a Pandora's box. You know, the Holy Spirit is too mysterious. This topic is a little too risky. It's a little too dangerous and might lead to too much emotionalism in the church. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 is not bashful about talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 18, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or excess. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I have two versions of this sermon. You get the long version. The group at 1045, they're going to get the short version. But nevertheless, I want to say three things to both of you, both groups. First of all, let's talk about the fact that you have the Spirit if you're a Christian. Second, I'm going to say, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the third and last thing I want to touch on is that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's dive in to see what the filling of the Spirit is, see if we can make some clear headway into a subject about which there is a lot of different opinion. Well, the first thing we want to say about verse 18, be filled with Spirit, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit already. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have turned from sin and trusted in Jesus alone for your salvation. You have the Holy Spirit. This is what we've learned in this series, right? I'm not going to go rehashing what we've learned, but we've said that if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been baptized, you've been sealed, you've been indwelled and gifted by the Holy Spirit. Baptized, yes, says in 1 Corinthians 12, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Sealed, yes, you remember this sermon a few weeks ago, Ephesians 1, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Indwelled, yes, indeed, 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And gifted? Yeah, every single one of us who is a Christian has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Don't let anyone try to tell you that you can be saved one day, genuinely saved one day, and yet get the Spirit the next day or the next month or the next year or some other later time. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit of God living within him or within her. Paul couldn't have made it any more clear than he did in Romans chapter 8 where he says this, Romans 8 verse 9, put it up there. Oh, well, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But, but not every believer is always filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you have a piece of exercise equipment in your house? Uh, a lot of you, yes. I know, because you do. You did the same thing I did. You saw that Bowflex advertisement on TV, and you said, oh, it's only $9 a month for 25 years. I can do that. <laughs> you bought a Bowflex. You put it up in that spare room or out in the garage or something like that, and for a few days, maybe a few weeks, you were really an animal on that thing. But now where is that Bowflex machine? Where is that treadmill? Where is that uh, exercise bike? How often do you get on it? See, a lot of us have things in our house, but we're not accessing them, are we? We're not letting them have their full benefit in our lives. I've got an electric guitar up in a spare bedroom upstairs. I bought it on Craigslist thinking, I'll go up there and I'll be the old school rock musician. Nobody will care. It's hanging up on my wall on that little Wonderful stand, not being played. Talking to Jeff Grant about this very subject one time, and he sent me an illustration about chocolate milk. You can take a glass of milk and pour chocolate syrup into it, and it'll sink right down there to the bottom. It has the syrup in it, right? But it's not chocolate milk until it gets stirred up. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit, baptized, sealed, indwelled, gifted by the Spirit of God. And yet, without the filling of the Spirit, you will not be able to have the empowering, enabling grace that the Holy Spirit loves to give to his people. Yeah, every Christian has the Spirit. Here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit have you? If you're a follower of Christ, you have received the Spirit of God. Here's the question. Are you fully yielded to that Holy Spirit? Is He empowering you over your sin and into the service of Christ that He wants to do, giving you a fruitful Christian life? Well, that's the question. And this is why Paul goes on to say that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's the whole point of verse 18. Why? Why do you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the answer. It's because the life that God calls you and me to live is too hard for you and me to do on our own power. The life that God calls us to live, the life that is meant to be lived as God's people, is too difficult for us to live using our own resources and apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Think about the context of these verses. You know, I just pulled them out of its context, but we need to 
see the bigger picture. The context of these verses, Paul has been exhorting us in Ephesians chapter 5 to live as children of light. Take my word for it. You can read the chapter later on if you want to. But he's calling us to live as children of light, to be who we are, if you will. He says in verse 1, to live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. He said up there in verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. He has warned us. We saw this last Sunday. He has warned us to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, not to even let a hint of sexual immorality and other vices be named among us. You think you can do those things without the Spirit's enablement? How's that been working for you? You think you can do all that Paul has said in Ephesians 5 already on your own power? Well, then in verse 15, part of our text, he goes on to say, be careful how you live. What I hear that saying to me is, watch your walk. Watch your walk. Redeem your time, verse 16. Stay in God's will, verse 17. And then in verse 21, the last verse of our text, he really drops a bomb on us and he says, submit to one another. Defer, in other words, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Give in to them. And he implies even those you don't like, even those you don't agree with all the time, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then... And then he goes on, as many of you know, in verse 5, he goes on to tell wives to submit to and respect their husbands. And he tells husbands to love their wives. How, how, how big? As Christ loves the church. And in chapter 6, he's going to go on and tell children to obey and respect and love their parents. And he's going to tell parents to die to themselves and nurture their children in the faith. And he's going to tell slaves to obey and respect their masters and masters to treat their slaves with equanimity and respect. Friends, it's too much. I mean, this is just one, maybe two chapters of the Bible that are filled with the high calling of God in Christ to us. The bar is too high. Someone has once said that the Christian life is so simple that even a little child can do it, and it's so difficult that nobody can do it. And that's an accurate statement. Apart from me, says Jesus in John 15, you can do how much? Nothing. Apart from Christ, apart from his spirit, you and I can do nothing. But the good news of Ephesians 5 is that God has given the Holy Spirit to you so that he might fill you and make the Christian life doable. Paul puts verse 18 right smack dab in the middle of Ephesians 5 to show us that without the Spirit, the Christian life is an impossibility. But with the Spirit, with His filling, with His empowering, enabling grace, we can do it. We can do it, not perfectly, of course, but we can do it and we can get better at it. That's what sanctification is all about, right? Sanctification, what is that? It is the work of God's Spirit by which we more and more die to sin and die to self and live more and more to righteousness thanks to the empowering grace of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. 
So let's take a closer look at verse 18. In that verse, there are two commands. You notice that. The first command's a negative and the second one's a positive. First, he says, don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. Notice Paul doesn't say don't drink. The Bible doesn't forbid the use of alcohol. What it forbids is the abuse of alcohol. And then he goes on to say, instead, instead of being drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be more precise, the verse ought to read this way, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Or let the Spirit of God be continually filling you. That's the better way to read verse 18. It's a uh, present, passive, imperative statement. It's present, meaning it's going to be continually before you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's imperative. That means it's a command. It's not an option. The command to be filled with the Spirit is on par with the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. The same God who said, do not murder, says be filled with the Spirit. So this is something that we ought to be taking very seriously. This is why we're talking about the Holy Spirit, because these commands are in the Bible for our good and for God's glory. And it's not a once-for-all experience. It's a, it's a continual, moment-by-moment, organic experience of growing in the enablement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you need peace? Of course you do. Then be filled with the Spirit. Do you want to be set free of your guilt and your worry? Yes, you do. Then be filled with the Holy Spirit is Paul's answer. Do you need enabling grace to serve God and to resist sin and to live life as it was intended to be lived by God? Yes, you do. Of course you do. Then be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to leave you with some good news. You can be. You can be filled with God the Holy Spirit. You can experience things that are listed in verses 19 through 21. The uh, end of our text today is a description of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 19 through 21, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That talks about our fellowship and our community. Singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. That speaks of worship both with your brothers and sisters as well as on your own at home, always giving thanks to God for everything. That speaks of having peace and contentment and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That talks about getting along with other people. You can experience that with the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you can experience his other fruits that are listed in Galatians 5, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. Your question is, how? Tell me, Mike, how can I experience? How can I have this fruit continually growing in my life? How can the Spirit of God have me? I understand that I have Him, but how can He have me? How can I yield myself more fully to Him? All right, I'm going to give you the answer. It's really not rocket science. It's really not rocket science. You can be filled by the Holy Spirit if you'll simply practice at least four things that the Holy Spirit finds very attractive. 
See, the key is that if we can embed into our lives by grace some practices that the Spirit of God finds irresistible, then we will experience in a growing, organic way His filling. What are those four? You'll think that I am simply giving you the Jesus answer, but I am giving you the Jesus answer. The first thing to do is read your Bible. Yeah, I, I know we talk about that all the time, but we are people of the book. If you will read your Bible in a steady sort of way and not just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you, it'll really make a difference in experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why do I say read the Bible? How do I get that? Is that in the Bible? Does the Bible say that you should read the Bible in order to be filled with the Spirit? It does. Look at this chart. Over on the left is Ephesians 5, the verses that we're looking at this morning. And on the right-hand column is Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Left-hand column, we've already read this. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, isn't it interesting that over in the right, Colossians 3, Paul says nearly the same thing. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to the, to the Lord, and whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. You see how each column lines up with some changes of wording, but not much, except for the top right-hand column. Instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, Paul to the Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't that a key to what we're talking about this morning? To be filled with the Spirit is, says Paul in Colossians, to be indwelt by the Word of Christ and vice versa. To be indwelt by the Word of Christ is to be filled with the Spirit. Never separate the Spirit from the Word. The Spirit works by and with the Word of God always. So read your Bible daily. Make that your goal. Will you sometimes fail? Yes, I do too. And you know what I do when I don't read my Bible one day? I don't try to go back and make up the thing I was supposed to read the day before. That's just so frustrating. I'll just move on. What I do is I follow a one-year reading plan, and I get through the Bible in a year. I've put it on um, Facebook, I believe it was. If you want to look at that, if you want me to tell you what resource I use, I'd be happy to. But I read the Bible every day in the morning, and right now I'm in Leviticus, most exciting book of the Bible. (laughs) and I'm about done with it. But if I skip a day for whatever reason, for sin or laziness or whatever it is, I don't try to go back because that's so frustrating. I'll just keep moving forward, and it's a very joyful experience. Folks, we are supposed to be people of the book. Some of you have not read your Bible in days, weeks. I dare say perhaps a few of you have not read your Bible in months. No wonder, friend, no wonder that you've been beaten up by the world and the flesh and the devil because you're neglecting the one thing among others that Jesus has given you, his word. 
Read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. What I would do, what I would ask you to do is when you get to a verse in the Bible that really convicts you or consoles you, sit on it for a while. Pray it back to God. Ask God to work that verse or that bit of word or phrase into your life to implant his truth deeply into your heart. And more and more, it's not going to happen overnight, but more and more in your life you will see the Spirit of God filling you, enabling you, and empowering you. That's the first thing. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we've got extras at the welcome desk. Stop by the welcome desk after the service. We'll give you a Bible. You can take it home and call it your own. Secondly, number two, confess your sins. Confess your sins. When you sin against God, be quick. Be quick to admit what you've done. When you sin against another person, be quick to go to that person and apologize. Why is it important to be people of confession? It's because the Holy Spirit finds irresistible the contrite heart. That's why. It says in the book of James, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Someone once said, and I've never forgotten it, that grace flows downhill. So if you find the lowest place, That's the place to be. What is the lowest place? It's the place where you're being very honest about what you've done wrong. You're confessing it to God. You're confessing it to your friends. Allowing the Holy Spirit to flow downhill into your contrite heart. Number three, pray. Pray specifically ask the Holy Spirit for his help. When you're facing a task, when you're waking up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night, when you are saying your blessings at meals, make that an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Ask him. Sometimes people just wait until they're asked, and that's the Holy Spirit's habit as well. Prayer is an, uh, rather, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit is an aspect of our sanctification. How do we get more sanctified? by the word, by the sacraments, and by faith and repentance, and by prayer. So ask the Spirit for his grace, and he will help you. And then fourth and finally, maybe this is one that you hadn't thought of. Do difficult things. Choose to do difficult things in your life. I was reading through the book of Acts the other day, and I noticed the phrase, the filling of the Spirit, many times. And I so I started asking, what's happening in the book of Acts every time it says that somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit? And it turned out that almost every time in the book of Acts someone is filled with the Spirit, it is when they, he or she, has put themselves in a place of risk, a place of difficulty. They have intentionally chosen a hard path. Example, in Acts chapter 4, Peter is brought before the Sanhedrin. He has just healed a crippled beggar, and the Sanhedrin is pretty incensed at him. And so they ask Peter, by what power or in whose name are you doing this? So here's Peter, ordinary fisherman, right? Not a brilliant scholar, not a trained theologian, a fisherman. He's standing in front of the most powerful religious figures 
in Judaism. Picture that, if you will. And he's being challenged to give an answer for the hope that is within him. It says in Acts chapter 4 that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, testified to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Later on in that same chapter, Acts 4, the Christians were gathered in a house for prayer. They prayed that God would enable them to speak the word of God with boldness. And it says at the end of chapter 4, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they had chosen a hard path to come together as God's people and to live as lights and salt in the midst of a pagan culture. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, one more example. You have the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr besides Jesus. Stephen was about to be stoned for standing up for Jesus Christ. And just before the first stone hit his body, we're told that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, these are just ordinary people. Peter, James, John, Stephen. These are, these are people just like you and me. But they did hard things. And when they did hard things, they discovered that they couldn't do it on their own. They absolutely had to pray, God, you've got to get me through this. I can't make it without you. I am desperately in need of you, God. If you don't do it, I'm sunk. I'm in deep weeds. They chose to go to that place, you see. Maybe the reason that some of you are not experiencing the enabling power of the Spirit of God is that you're not putting yourselves in those places of risk where you have no other resources but God to depend on. Maybe you've got to choose to go a route in which you are shaken in your boots and you are praying what we sang a little while ago. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. See, some of us choose such safe places that we never feel the need for God. And so I ask you to consider, where has God been, where's he been knocking on your heart? inviting you into a difficult place. Maybe it's to have a difficult conversation with somebody. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to volunteer for a nonprofit. Maybe it's to come out to Bithlow and help us with our after-school program. Maybe it's to teach our ESL ministry. Maybe it's to simply stand up for Christ with your neighbor or with a coworker and let him or her know that you are a believer in Jesus and it scares you to death to say that. But those are difficult places. And if you will walk into that difficulty, you'll suddenly be thrust upon the mercy of God and you'll pray, God, the Spirit, come and fill me. And he will because he finds it irresistible when people trust him. So read your Bible. Pray, confess your sin, and find a hard place in which to serve and be a Christian. May we who have the Spirit, may we who have the Spirit, let the Holy Spirit have us in humble reliance and faith. Let's pray. Father, help us, please. We need help with this. We need to be people of the book. 
And sometimes the discipline of Bible reading is hard for us, Lord. We pray that you will help us to be Bible students. Help us to be people with contrite, repentant hearts. Enable us to not be timid in our prayers, but to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Father, help us to do difficult things, to say difficult things, and to attempt difficult things for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, we would be your disciples. We would make disciples as you've commanded us, but we must have your Spirit's filling. So for your sake, O oh Lord, will you make us at UPC a people who are full of your life-transforming, life-giving Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.